I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Literally Gaysians. Literally Gaysians. Hey, Literally Gaysians here. The podcast where two Gaysians... Gaysians. ...get real about their feelings and literally Gaysian stuff. And this is Bao. And this is Chris. We had a long Labor Day Beyonce weekend and I am exhausted. Maybe we should just catch up and Kiki today. Yeah, I feel the same. I overplanned this long weekend and am in a complete hangover (laughs) (laughs) and feel like we've had just so many amazing guests and a lot of great topics in the last few episodes. Um, And we got to dig into a lot of Gaijin stuff, but we really haven't been digging into us and our own shit and our own feelings. So our gift to you is a whole episode of just us. (laughs) (laughs) Just us. But before we get into that, a few updates. Um, having a little admin moments, always fun in the beginning. So first, if you haven't already, please go to our show page on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and rate us five whole stars. Your rating helps people find our podcast. And the ratings so far have really helped the podcast, for example, shoot up in search results. Like if you search like gay podcasts on Spotify, it can come up in the first page. So please go do that now, unless you're driving, in which case... Actually, just pull over on the side of the freeway and do it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, next is the last call for any questions or advice from us. We're doing a listener mailbag episode soon, and we'll invite some guests to take on your Gaijin conundrums with extremely very non-expert advice. And to do that, just leave a voice message or a DM at literally Gaijins on Instagram or TikTok. And we'll add it to the list. And our last heads up, we are finally wrapping up the first season in a few episodes. We need to take a much needed break. (laughs) We need some time to recover from the whole summer that we've had, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So thank you for tuning in so far into the episodes that we have released and the upcoming ones. And we're taking suggestions for episodes for the second season. So you can send those suggestions into literally Asians on Instagram and TikTok as well. What do you want to hate listen to us talk about? (laughs) (laughs) And if you look at our comments, plenty of people do hate listen to us. (laughs) With that out of the way, let's get into it. What should we be real about? I don't know. We've been traveling a lot. We've been fun employed together, but traveling a lot to different cities 
for our friends' milestone birthdays. And I feel like it's become like a theme and a thing this year. This is the problem with having friends. Uh, they all have birthdays. and But, you know, I think what's specifically different is that these were their milestone birthdays. Yeah, it's arbitrary, but, you know, we all still like to celebrate. We had 30-year-old birthdays, 40, and 50. We spanned the decades. Oh, yeah, that was the 50. And I don't know, why did it all happen this year? It's just very interesting that it all kind of coincided. And I wish I had like a year to think about that so that I could have saved up more money to go on Mm -hmm. all these trips because I I do feel like that's the thing of having a chosen family that you really Mm -hmm. do love to this point. And for us being privileged people who have saved up a lot of money and who have made a good amount from our jobs and be able to do this. But even with that, it was a little stressful trying to figure out like the budget for these things. And I, I tend to think of it like I was trying to explain it to someone I was like having an interview with because I'm on this job search. And I said, I think it's like in a chosen family or or my, my certain chosen family is a lot of single gay men or (laughs) gay men who don't want to get married. So instead of having the heteronormative like bachelorette party or, like a wedding that you spend a lot of time and resources to go to. We have the milestone birthday <laughs> in place of that. Yeah, we spend it on, on uh, plane travel, overpriced food, and extracurricular activities. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And don't forget the drugs. Oh, that's what you meant? <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget the outfits. Like every one of these birthdays had oh dress-up the themes. themes. Yes. And at some point I was like, I cannot buy any more themes. Even Beyonce's trying to get me to buy clothes for her. And you went on her birthday. You were on her birthday tour. I did not go on her birthday. I did go a few days before, but the birthday show was last night and it looked really cool. Um, So so where did did we go? You know, what's interesting is that I think I only was able to go because I got laid off this year. And Mm -hmm. I I could almost, I want to look at it as a blessing in disguise. I wouldn't have been able to do all these things. And I think I started in Mexico City Mm -hmm. um, and for the 30th birthday. And then the both of us were like, well, let's just continue to Oaxaca. And then we went to Montreal. Uh, That was beautiful. Also, like, really hot and kind of expensive. Uh, That was a really nice time. And then all the way on the other side of the country to Joshua Tree and yet another set of themes to dress up for. Yeah, and, and it wasn't um, a milestone birthday, but we did stop by PV between those two trips. So I uh-huh. felt like every other week or month, we were going with our friends to these far-flung destinations and having an amazing time. But like, I felt like I, I didn't work, and I don't know how people who worked were able to make it on these trips and go back to work <laughs> in, the, in the next few days. But... The same time, every time we went on one of these, we talked to folks like at least half of the people all got laid off. So everyone, it was the year. It was the running joke, yeah. That that whoever actually has a job, which is half the people here, can can, uh, foot the bill. And we'll we'll eventually split Wise and Venmo everyone back. I'm still going through that. I thought, oh, I'm doing pretty well. And then I'm paying off the split Wise like, oh. There goes there go there goes all my uh, runway for my unemployment. So I think it's time this week that I find a job. <laughs> I think I'm full on in that mode right now. I've interviewed with so many different jobs, and hopefully, you know, we'll have a good update soon. Maybe hopefully I will be able to work by October. Uh, so in the spirit of be real, did any complicated feelings come up for you during these trips? One of the things I noticed was that there were a lot of couples on the trip, and it's always strange to be going out to the next like dinner or meal. And I'm always the third, fifth, seventh wheel. And, you know, everyone's like sharing their dishes and having a cutesy time. And I'm like, I'm over here, like ordering that same large dish just by myself as, as the, I was like, well, okay, that's cool. It did make me feel not lonely uh, because I was clearly the most unlonely at these like big group trips. And it was, it's what I enjoy doing. Um, but I did feel more single. Yeah. It would have been nice to have somebody else to split like everything else in my life with so that we can go on these trips. Yeah. Like 
those $50 Ubers to the airport, these little practical things, they just emotionally and monetarily add up. And, you know, like that, that 6 a.m. flight, uh, I got to take a $60 Uber just mm-hmm. all by myself. I'm like, oh. And then everyone else is like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're sharing a car over together because we live together and split that bill, too, for, the, for their home. And so I'm just like, oh, being single is costly. Yeah, maybe it's time for some double income life. And yeah. once we get out of our in-between boyfriends stage, maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we'll get our shit together to find um, <laughs> at least someone just to split some of the bills with. For me, I think being far away from you guys from like for like four years now or living in a different city, I think it's always amazing to see everyone because you all know like the sides of me um, and the sides of each other because we've been through so much and grew so much together in those like almost like 15 years that we've known each other. A lot of loss, grief, breakups and divorces, a lot of health scares. So it's really nourishing to catch up with y'all. But but (laughs) one thing I'm noticing that was, I think, surprised me when we got together is that like some of these trips, I'm noticing a little bit of a sexual vibe. Mm-hmm. And I think I think we're all some of us are noticing that a little bit more. I hear you. No, I'm I'm on the same page as you. I, I was like, should, I was wondering if that was something I should talk about. But here, let's go, let's go. Yeah, I feel like some people who aren't part of our group squat. Uh, I'm sure they they see these pictures and like I wonder if they any of them sleep together. <laughs> but no, I literally get that question before. Oh, I mean, like, you've literally oh, got question. everyone's like, "Oh, do y'all just sleep with each other?" I'm like, no. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know. I'm I don't answering know. just for myself. I'm answering just for myself. No, <laughs> I am not sleeping with everyone. I'm not answering that question, but maybe because we're older now, and I think more liberal with our sexuality. And I think maybe because y'all live in SF, which is a lot more progressive about that, y'all celebrate that vibe a little bit more openly. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest, it caught me a little bit by surprise because I think when we've taken these trips before, it's a lot less of that vibe. It's a lot more friend bonding, (laughs) trauma bonding, and Mm -hmm. less bondage. Just joking, we're not having any bondage (laughs) at these parties. But I think there were like, Definitely more of a flirty sexual advances vibe that kind of caught me off guard. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I I saw that, and I was usually a little too drunk to, like, handle those things. And then I would, you know, just kind of you know, scur- scurry off into a little corner and just, like, play some music in another room. But at the same time, I was, I guess this is uh, another aspect of it. I was a little bit jealous that sometimes I was, uh, not jealous, envious, that I was not always, like, a part of those little, like, flirtatious rings. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it, I guess it has two sides. Sometimes it's too much, sometimes it's too little, whereas that's, like, uh, in between. But like you said, this is not something that we started doing like when we used to do these like little vacations and but it has grown and i think it's also cultural it's just the sex positivity of queer culture in general it's just especially here it's so much more poly and sex positive and just i kind of came back from these trips wondering if like since you guys see each other a lot more has that like that closeness invited that vibe a little bit more um or is it because some of the maybe people i don't know as well that have joined your kind of group or family you know after i moved to la as that kind of changed that vibe because i just felt like left out of the fact that it was happening and surprised when some of the advances were coming to me but i felt like i missed something there and i felt like further away from you guys because of it no, I think it's just, uh, I, I think, yes, uh, it, it was partly that there are some, like, different people, but, I, like, these last trips have been humongous. You know, before <laughs> For, it would be, 40, like, 50 people. <laughs> 10, yeah. 15 people, you have 40 people, the, the dynamics are just going to be all over the place. I think it's just, like, the size of the group and the different personalities, um, and that we're all just so we d- tend to like project a lot of openness so everyone just felt so comfortable with each other when we're all like we're our own little micro city um mm-hmm. of seeing each other constantly also it was 90 to 100 degrees everywhere we went <laughs> mm-hmm. 
a bunch of gay shirtless men sweating, you know, something's going to happen. Yeah. And let's not forget the Molly. Let's not forget (laughs) the fact that, I mean, some of these people are on G. So let's not forget that some of the substances bring down the inhibitions. And I think for myself, I was just surprised because I I feel like I used to be that kind of really open sexual person. And I I wondered a couple of things like processing whether or not I had just become a very different person or maybe less open living in L.A., yeah, um, LA's changed too. Yeah, or or or, and I think it wasn't that. I just feel like I still appreciate that like vibe. I probably just had different expectations coming in, so I was surprised. Right? I was like, oh, I thought like I've been on these trips before, and we usually just have a dorky old time, mm-hmm. and there's not like threesomes being coordinated. But I also think there was a time in my life when I was pretty like in this constant pursuit of sex. And on Grinder all the time and hooking up like every other day almost. Probably that time after I just broke up with my boyfriend of five years and I like, just kind of went on a rampage. And then it continued when I moved to LA as like the new boy. But I do think at some point I took a look at my life and didn't want to be just when I was talking to a friend about this over a weekend who was visiting from SF. I didn't want to be like addicted to like the red dot on Grinder anymore or the mm-hmm. Grinder notification anymore because I realized I chased it all the time as like a form of validation and some i mean it was like borderline an addiction an abuse issue for me it's that pavlov's dog syndrome you see that dot you start salivating yeah i start salivating going or like you get a little rush Mm -hmm. and so i'm not saying that's why all my friends are doing that because you know they're not on grinder they're not um always in this pursuit of sex but i do think it's personally my relationship to sex has changed and you're getting older i'm getting old and maybe i'm just not as, as horny but then again i'm still watching too much porn maybe it's transferred to like a porn addiction but we'll talk about that another time but i do feel like it's not anything about them it's just my personal just relationship to that and i think like by this last trip i was like well that's good for them this is where i am in my life and that's fine right yeah. but i do think it took a bit of an adjustment the last few trips yeah. On a side note, now you said that about porn. I remember like there was this therapist who was saying, um, try to not watch porn for like a while, like weeks at a time to help reset your brain. And because it, it starts to, you know, like how everyone says, like seeing porn, it's all fake. All the mm-hmm. hard parts of sex are all cut out. And you start to envision these certain way about your life and your sexual relationship with people. And that you may try harder to meet people and you're, you're just the way you interact with men. Other men will change and maybe be a lot less, I don't know, a lot, lot less hard in trying to interact with people. Like maybe yeah. you're not only thinking about, oh, will he be perfect in this way in bed or something like that. And it may make sex easier, jerking off different, all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to throw it in there because it made me think of that. Because uh, I was thinking about it last night um, while watching porn. <laughs> maybe, I should, maybe I should like take a break for a little while from it. With your post not clarity. Yeah. Like, oh, maybe I don't want to do this so much. Watching porn is one of, it's on my like list of things to talk to my therapist about or like to like unpack in therapy. And I haven't really gotten there, but maybe I'll give that a try because I do think it's, you know, talking about resetting your brain. Um, I do feel like since Coachella to like last week, we've just been partying and just every other week coming back into like that same mindset. And I do think maybe I need a little break from things just to like reset my brain and i think and i think i don't know if you know you knew this i think you did but like on that last joshua tree trip i had like a pretty bad acid trip it wasn't as bad as that like that traumatic one that you know you you and i you were there for like last year mm-hmm. um and i just think i realized just acid isn't just for me anymore it's just one of mm-hmm. those drugs that if i'm stuck inside a house with other people it just feeds this like anxiety monster and makes it worse and I just feel like I'm lucky to be in a part of my life to realize when that's happening and when and what to do. Mm-hmm. And that I had so many understanding friends who took a break from their own acid, amazing acid trips or like roles to just sit down with me and help calm down that monster. Some people who are really um, trained and 
talking to someone or grounding someone in that state. So you know who you are and I love you. But yeah, I don't think that kind of type of environment or acid is really for me anymore. And I think this is another symptom of getting older, like the number of, of drugs that you can do. Mm-hmm. are just going to narrow. And so, yeah, I'm just going to take just a little break from everything. Reset that brain. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I've been honestly very happy and excited to take that break because, you know, I moved. I'm still barely unpacked. And all I've done is party. It led to possibly a health scare. I don't know. Mm. I started, like, getting woozy and a little dizzy after getting back from Joshua Tree mm. and I was I just chalked it up to the heat because it was 105 degree weather out in Palm Springs but uh, last week I went and got a CT scan I don't I'm, I was got scared mm. I went I went to the doctor check out see if see if anything's going on so far not a big issue but it's too much I, I ain't no spring chicken anymore and so I'm I'm excited to take it easy and get back on track to a routine, grow my hair out, stop bleaching it uh, for just a little while, not too long. And you know, stop, as they say, going through it. It's time to not go through it and just um, be chill and relax. Play a video game. I don't know what yet. We're in the same place that sabbatical stages of crisis where we just were doing the most, changing our hair colors and really just like devouring life in this certain like way just because we had all this time off and no boundaries and now i think it's the time we're like well that was really fun i think we need to get back into yeah that routine and to feel a little bit calmer because that was an amazing few months but also really wild you know and and I think it's not just us, because, you know, all these, like, capitalist uh, evils laying off everyone, the more people I talk to are in very similar situations. They don't know what to do with themselves. They're tired, even though they're not doing anything. they wake up at 2 p.m., play games till 4 in the morning, and they're, like us, trying to figure out what to do with themselves, but at the same time... What do we do? Are people hiring? And is that even the answer? Are there other things that we could be doing with ourselves? Like, I sure did not learn a new speaking language, learn how to DJ, make any music, or (laughs) anything during these several months off. So, like, maybe it is time to actually, like, take on one of those real pursuits. Uh, Not to say that I regret doing any of the stuff I've done the last few months. I just regret not doing more during the last few months. Yeah, I think we did a lot of the travel, though. I will say Mm -hmm. that. And I wondered if I, like, I should have done more travel, but every time I go on these trips, by a certain time, I want to be back in my bed, so. Mm -hmm. And I have a friend, and we have a friend who's, like, just jumping from city to city for a few months, and it sounds, and they kind of liquidated all their stuff, and I thought, think that sounds great, but that wasn't kind of what I was looking for. And I think, and we're talking about being fun employed, like, People don't talk about the bad days because there's some bad days mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. maybe you forgot to plan something. And so you would just get kind of lost in like your own milieu of the day. And suddenly it's dark and you're like, wow, I did nothing today besides make lunch. And now it's time to go to sleep and just feel like just so unproductive. And every time I feel that, I wonder just like, did I make the right decision? <laughs> Or am I really healing, right? Am I really taking this time to heal? And I tell myself on those days that when I say, oh, God, that was really unproductive. I'm like, well, what is productive supposed to mean? Like, why are we always thinking we have to produce? Like, yeah, I get it. Is it really restful or not? But sometimes I... They say when you're burnt out, it takes an extremely long time to recover from it. And you were burnt out. And I know you've been, like, not working for a while, Mm -hmm. but that's not – I wouldn't say we ever will recover from it. We're still going to have, like, lasting scars from, like, whatever the last thing, like, did to us. And I'm about to go back into it again. And I do – I did have this, like – a few it took a few days for me to process my bad acid trip in that like I had these 
feelings of disappointment in myself that I thought I worked a lot on my anxiety and that it got better, especially this last year of taking time off and that I found my peace. And I felt like, uh, did I just end up back in the same place in the beginning? No, progress, not perfection. You never perfect it. Yeah, I know. And I, I got to that point. I'm like, well, the good part is that, yeah, I didn't have a panic, full-on panic attack. <laughs> um, and that it has gotten better. I just kind of know the triggers of it, which is probably no more acid. But this time off alone has had its ups mm-hmm, and downs. Mm-hmm. Well, what was like that? I sent you that article a couple of weeks ago from The Atlantic about like time off, like what is like like good time off. And they they found that like you just being like having time off alone isn't necessarily the best for you. That mm-hmm. studies showed that um, was it antidepressant usage went way down in the summers when people had time off together with other people or on the weekends, therapists were saying that people on the weekends, even though they were like, say unemployed, um, had more like useful time when they were with other people. So, I mean, that, that speaks to like us as human beings that we are social people and just, Time alone isn't necessarily healing. It's time with who you love. Sometimes alone. Not all, but yeah. I know that for myself, I like my alone time, but the majority of it, I like to be with everyone else. We clearly both have been doing a lot of that. Well, let me ask you this. Now that we are not, we don't have to like plan for these trips and go on these trips anymore, and we still have some fun employment left, like what's one thing you're going to do today to like change up your routine? Uh, change routine. Well, I've had like plans of like finally getting curtains for my damn room uh, and help like do mm. stuff at my family's place. So they're like very practical things. And then tomorrow, start looking at job descriptions. Very boring stuff. But I. But for the on the funner side of things, I also am looking to. Maybe dabble in some visual arts. I gotta. Le- I'm gonna learn to do some interactive art pieces and digital. Mm. And I, th- I think that's different than what I've been doing day to day. And I'm excited about it. I just don't know yet how fast or how well I'm gonna get into it. But maybe be on the lookout. Watch my Instagram. I'll post it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe you can work on our art for tomorrow's episode or for this episode <laughs> to, to warm up. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to play more with the AI, the AI art of our faces. For me, I'm whenever I get into this mode where I think I'm stuck in like this alone time, I think about how I was able to like reboot myself during the pandemic, right? Because mm. during the pandemic, this everyone has been through this where the time off alone, not seeing people really got to them. I hit a rock bottom, like probably in July of 2020 before I kind of like got into therapy and kind of rebooted my life and found different things to do. I think I'm going to get back into tennis. Like it's a good time for me to see my dad. And then I might take a language class. I heard of another kind of acquaintance, not acquaintance, but someone, a friend's friend who just started sabbatical and they just planned everything. They go fly fishing. They have a Tagalog tutor from the Philippines that they see twice a week. And some, and they volunteer or something. I started comparing myself to that and being like, well, maybe I wasn't productive, but no, I did what was right for me during kind of my sabbatical. But it is nice to kind of like inspiring to see someone do that and really like just like schedule it so you do it. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's like those personality types that are good at thinking outside of the box sometimes about mm-hmm. what they want. I. I think one of the issues sometimes for myself is I don't know always what I want. So like, I think if I knew more clearly, like what I was passionate about wanting, I'd probably get to it more, which, and and it actually makes me think about when we were traveling, I learned that, you know, there's all those memes lately about, um, uh, that one girl who keeps showing like they're like the bossy travel friend making all the <laughs> like plans and the decisions. And although they're funny and it's fun to make fun of them, I'm like, I honestly really like those people as I've gotten older on the trip because I think I like to be a travel bottom. Like the, <laughs> I want, I want someone else to make the, all the decisions because 
I always think I might either be making the wrong one, like pick the wrong restaurant, pick the wrong activity, and it won't be fun for everyone. And it worked really well. Uh, we've, we've, we've traveled, we've both traveled with a bunch of travel tops. And <laughs> although I am poorer because of it, I've really enjoyed a lot of experiences that I probably would have never chosen for myself. Um, or chosen by myself. When I hear other people, like you're saying, you're listening to your friend about what they did, I wouldn't think of it as comparing yourself. I almost think of it, oh, that's inspiration for something I could do that I just didn't think of. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I'm taking from it. And I might just really try to find a Vietnamese tutor. And no, I agree. I, I prefer to call our friends like uh, who plan these trips very well, like travel doms, because you could be a dom bottom. (laughs) (laughs) And I try not just trust the process and I carve out just whatever space, whatever help they need to delegate to me. Um, But it, because these last few trips have been so well planned, I find that I might not want my own 40th birthday (laughs) trip or, um, or party just because the bar is so high on how organized everyone's going to expect it to be that I just like don't want to plan it. And I don't know. It makes me, I haven't celebrated my birthday since before the pandemic. And it just Mm -hmm. makes me wonder, is there something deeper down there that makes me just not want to celebrate? Or is that just like kind of me and how I like to spend my birthday and just chill like that. But I don't know, but I, I do appreciate those people who, you need to just Venmo and you need to just sign up somewhere and they organize everything else that we're fed, that we have the right sleeping arrangements that we avoid our allergies. Like these friends are just so freaking on top of it. Uh huh. I like the spreadsheet craziness. It's amazing to me how, even though there it's an entirely chaotic week, it's, it could have been, worse <laughs> it could be <laughs> an absolute mess uh, and i we, especially when you're trying to organize 30 40 people uh, i th- i think you should do wait what's your next birthday number 40? i'm 30 i'm 39 in january but i'm 40 so you have time. i have time you have, have time, time to rest and break but you and i both know that there's a bunch of people turning 40 in that similar time but i don't know i think i would love to celebrate it even if it and just like going to a single location, like in your hometown, just like mm-hmm. at a like a nice large space, so we can all um, talk shit about you together. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fun. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. All right, I think another thing we should catch up on is... I guess, a recurring theme on this podcast, which is the theme of our parents or parents in general. 
I know personally for me, there's been a lot that's been going on, but especially for you, don't you? Mm-hmm. Um, um, everything that's kind of shifted in your family in the last few months. So, um, yeah, how, how's it going on that front? It's like, it's so weird always trying to like, like there's, there's, I'm all, I feel very selfish sometimes thinking, oh, I feel so obligated to do something. But like, I don't, I don't know why, like, I don't feel more excited to do things with my mom. Sometimes I enjoy it, but she makes it quite hard to enjoy time with her. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's that constant battle. I'm like, oh, do I spend time with every family because of obligation or because I enjoy it? And it's probably a little bit more out of obligation. I just wish sometimes my mom was more self-sufficient. And she grew up in a time where that wasn't a thing for her. And she's so old school. She just doesn't learn anything new. And it's, it, 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 I didn't realize that I had as much of an issue with it until both my siblings told me to go easy on my mom. I never thought like I was all that rough on her, but I guess I call her out on all her bullshit. And the, both of my mm. like brother and sister, they always just say, yeah, I just ignore it. I just don't say anything back. I'm like, Oh, I'd like, how, 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 <laughs> like the, she says some of the meanest, rudest things. And I just, I, I even gave her an ultimatum to that. If she calls me, she has to ask how I'm doing or when she sees me say one good thing about me. She has not done either of those things yet. I still go back and I still answer the phone, but I tried. I tried. Yeah. And how's, how's um, everything with your dad? You know, recently lost him. It's funny. Cause like that part is not so bad. I think we all were emotionally prepared. We saw it coming because of his deteriorating health. It did make me um, very suddenly afraid for my health when like the weeks after he passed away. Uh, I think it was like this weird combination of like, I was having like some weird like mm. problems and it just coincided with, with that. And he's had a, a young history of having like, um, health conditions like strokes and stuff. So I was like, all right, I'm next to go like right now. But he, I, I think he was ready. Most people were ready except maybe my mom. Uh, I think the biggest problem was actually my mom. She's, She's the biggest, like, <laughs> issue dealing with my dad's, like, passing. And it's if it's not one thing or it's another, it's, uh, and it makes me, like, wonder, like, are a lot of these, like, personal mental health issues I have or the way I interact with people are probably a lot to do with how I grew up with her. She just... She's sometimes kind of awful. <laughs> <laughs> but we still have to, we still love them or have to love them, yeah, I guess. Uh, have to love them. That's, that's, that's where I'm living in. That's the world I'm living in right now. Yeah. I kind of feel you on that. And I feel like a lot of us are at this stage. If we go to therapy an Asian American have immigrant parents at this stage where we're like, why did you do all that fucked up stuff to me? when we were younger because it's because it was repressed and maybe it's coming up. A lot of us, I feel like are in different stages of accepting that because we can't, uh-huh. I don't know, we're not going to be able to change them or mm-hmm. you're going to convince them to go to therapy. I don't think so. And I think a lot of some of my friends are at a point where they're just, they can't, they need space from their parents as they work through this. Mm-hmm. And I think we were, I was with a bunch of like straight girlfriends and we were talking about this and I just think, like, are we just going to sit here and complain about our parents, <laughs> even though they've done so much for us, but really complain about, like, the trauma of that mm-hmm. for how long? Or what I expect is, like, maybe in five years we'll look back, like, oh, yeah, I remember we were processing all that, and now everything's good. We've just not kind of accepted it. Because I do feel like I'm moving a little bit towards the acceptance stage. Uh-huh. Um, because ever since we had, like, the one aging parents episode where I think this was all starting to be a little bit new to us, I feel like, you know, I've... I've evolved on it or like I've 
I've done a better job at accepting my parents for kind of what they knew and who they they were. The biggest thing with my mom since that episode is that she's coming to terms that me and my sister are probably going to live queer lives for the rest of our lives. I thought she had already known that, but I think what we came up across is like this idea that so, so my sister is a lesbian, as you know, and there was this topic of just um, me and my sister being married um, or possibly getting married. And I think that's when it kind of hit my mom that, oh, shit, you guys are it's really going to marry. You're going to really marry in this queer way. You're going to marry like the same sex or something. And I talked to my mom trying to leave some space for her to like be able to talk to us about it because she said when she realized that, she felt very far away from us and very lonely. And she already feels lonely and far away from us because she lives in Hanoi. But when I talked to her, I think what she said very honestly to me was that she was probably holding on to the fact that we would change and make change our minds one day and marry straight. And that the way she was raised is hard to her to accept that. And I think I wanted to leave that space for her to tell me that and to make her feel comfortable when I did. But I feel like at what cost? Because after that, I just felt terrible. Like those are kind of hard things to hear. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, on the topic of kids, and then we talked on that fatherhood episode with Ed and Bobby about just my mom, like wanting me to like throw some sperm over to some, to some like lesbian in Vietnam and my mom will raise the kid. And I'm like, well, that's not how I want to do it. And like, what does that benefit her? Either. She wants like, a, she wants a grandchild. That's yeah. all. That's, that, that, but that doesn't benefit me at all, right? Or that's not how I want to have a kid. Anyway, I think hearing from Ed and Bobby and hearing their stories um, about how their own parents took some time or their own challenges or the, how their relationship changed with their parents when they started entering the stage of like getting married and like having kids and that it was challenging at first, but it all you know it eventually became better. It made me feel a little bit better on this and less alone. I've been reading advice columns a lot just because I think they're interesting. I just want to hear other people's problems. And one person asked about like my mom's being shitty, so should I just disown her? <laughs> right? She doesn't. She it's weird when I try to connect with her and like I I try to stand up for my boundaries and she's just being awful and should I just disown her? And the person giving the advice on the advice column was actually pretty interesting. She was like, well, first of all, do you want my advice or do you just want to rant? Or do you want me to validate what you already want to do? Which is like, you're annoyed with your mom. You just want permission to stop talking to her, mm-hmm. which I thought was like, oh, pretty good call out. But the second thing she brought up was like, she tended to find that very few people in your life knew you through different stages of your life. And you're going to regret, if you cut ties from them, you're going to lose that. And you'll realize how valuable that is, like, way too late. Yeah. I I yeah. agree with that. And I think that's why I haven't, like, tried to cut my family out from my life. Because I don't want to have that regret. But mm-hmm. at the same time... You know, like you were saying, you hear about these people who have like a hardship with their parents and then they move on from it. Like over time, Mm -hmm. I have always wondered what I could have done different in uh, with the like doing those things. I've always been too scared thinking, oh, what if it doesn't work out or what if like it takes too long? I don't want to put in the effort or I don't really care. Like I've never come out to my parents really. Mm -hmm. Uh, So. I was kind of figured they knew and just didn't talk about it in that very like Chinese way. But the way my mom talks about me like getting married to a woman sometimes, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh she, she did not put that. she did not put that together. But but what I was thinking was like, well, the, it goes both ways. We keep trying to change them, and your mom keeps trying waiting for you to change. And mm-hmm. uh, we we both gotta just let it go and and just say like oh, our, each other grew into these people who are not necessarily going to change that much for someone else's expectations. Yeah, my mom did this thing, though, which I thought was cute, is that she's trying. Like, <laughs> she realized that. And so apparently she's just been on Netflix trying to watch as much, much LGBTQ content uh-huh. <laughs> as possible to understand. Like, And then she and my dad have been divorced for like more than 20 years or about 20 years. And she decided to just pull him into it. And she's like, because my dad has not acknowledged anything, but my, his actions acknowledge that he loves us and he loves our partners, mm-hmm. but he's never really like said it out loud. And my mom was trying to pull him in. Like, you need to do this and that and try to start all this drama that my dad was not like 
being a, as, as of a queer accepting person as she is. And I told her like, you know, just, I guess the bar is low for both of them. Like, I think they didn't kick me out of the house. They, I have a relationship with them. It's not going to be perfect. And they're working on it. And they've gotten so much better over the years. And there's not a lot of years left. There's not a lot of years left. And that kind of dictates how I, I am spending my life now, right? Because I am only looking for jobs that will allow me to remain remote or in Los Angeles because I want to be near my dad during these years. Mm-hmm. And I feel like every time I meet people out and they're like, yeah, I used to live in London, like exciting, these exciting places, New York, London, Singapore, Thailand, Hong Kong. But I moved back to LA to be closer to my parents at this age, especially people of our age. Yeah. You have your own kind of like attachment to that, right? Like staying close, right? Staying close to be your, your parents. Yeah, I was thinking about how, like, we both, like, right now in our lives are in these cities that we may not necessarily want to be in. Like, I've grown up here in San Francisco, and although do I have an emotional attachment to it, uh, like, in combination with it being kind of shitty here now, and how I've always wanted to live in so many other cities, but it always felt like my parents were on their, like, last years, and I need to take care of them. And if I had known what I knew now, I could have like up and left and, but still there's always that idea. Oh, you just come back. And I've all, and I hate that. I always compare like that to, you know, non-Asian families, like Mm -hmm. all these kids Mm -hmm. that just move away and they're done. That's that's it. And their parents are self-sufficient, not always asking them to come back and do stuff for them. And how you're saying there's so many people we know around our age, but we also also tend to have a lot more um, people of color friends who mm-hmm. who were raised in that way that you need to come back, take care of your parents. There's like pluses and minuses. I love that that's how we're brought up, but then it really cuts into this idea of having an independent life. Like how do we live our freewheeling, independent, queer lives, traveling the world. When you get that one call, you're like, oh, going to run back. And so we're both, you're in LA, I'm still in San Francisco. And what do we do with that? I don't hate it, but it's not my first choice. I have come to accept that I love LA and I want to stay here. In the job search, there were a lot of roles in San Francisco and a lot of roles in New York. I personally think after the pandemic, I don't want to uproot my life again. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm just barely kind of like put, putting down roots now in LA. And I just don't want to be having a grand old time in some city like London or New York and get this call about my dad and then like feel really guilty that I wasn't there or wasn't or closer to help. So I just think it's what I need right now. I used to have all these like really selfish kind of thoughts about like, well, all my friends, their parents are at least like 10 years younger. And, and self-sufficient in a different way. And mm-hmm. at some point I'm like, oh, I wish I had that luxury. But at some point you just accept things you can't change. That um, yeah. this is what you need. This is kind of what you need to do. It's the duty. And I think like that's an Asian American, very like Asian thing. Yeah. I always thought because um, they call in Cantonese Lai Jai, the last kid. And uh, in English, I would sometimes say that I was the happy accident because my parents were a lot older when they had me. And I was 12 when my dad had his first stroke. So I always felt like having older parents really sucked. And I felt left out because there was, I think I've said this before, my siblings have very different relationship with my parents. They spend a lot of time with them. And by the time I came around, um, you know, the world had changed. They had changed and they had both full-time jobs. So I raised myself. I was raised by my sister and, uh, and had to, at a very young age, deal with sickness in my life. And I selfishly would always think that was so unfair. But, you know, it happens. And it's not just me. Plenty of People go through this, and I hate that I compare myself to others. Um, but during that fatherhood episode, when people were bringing up, oh, to have a kid at an older age, I was like, oh, I wouldn't want to, like, I partly don't want to have kids now because I don't want to be, like, 
in my like 60s, 70s trying to raise a, raise a teenager. Uh, I mean, the other half is because I'm selfish. I don't want kids, <laughs> but I don't want to be like chasing after a teenager with a cane. Yeah, I think, you know, we opened that episode wondering if we could have kids and Ed and Bobby really talked to their experiences. I pretty sure I left that episode pretty sure I'm not going to have kids. <laughs> like, well, that really answered it. I think it's amazing. That one is, was a, a really great episode. I enjoyed it. And good for them. Good for, good for them. them. <laughs> not yeah. me. And, you know, I, I started, I, I don't think of it as comparing. I think, again, a lot of our friends are going through it. I don't think of it as comparing. I think it was as being able to talk to each other about it and being in community about it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the kids thing, we are able to have Eddie and Bobby and talk through stuff like that. I think on this stuff going on with our parents, I have a friend and a couple of friends who are going through some stuff and we are able to talk about this, just our fears, that guilt and and stuff that we can do. Like, for example, if you have siblings splitting up like the doctor's appointments and stuff. And so I think it's been nice to really kind of lean on chosen family too, to deal with the biological family stuff. Yeah. Uh, I, I sometimes wouldn't know what I would do without the chosen family and trying to deal with it all on my own. And I was, I would consider myself really lucky right now too, because my siblings took care a lot of the stuff with my parents when for some reason, like 10, 15 years ago, when I stayed in the city to so-called take care of my parents, I thought I was going to be the one doing all of the work. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought like it was my responsibility because I was the youngest and I was around. They were doing their own thing with getting married or just doing all this stuff and I'll be left with it all. And somehow I didn't do anything. <laughs> I did nothing. I, I was just emotional support occasionally. And I don't, I'm not sure where I got this idea where I had so much responsibility. I think it's just the general Asian upbringing that yeah, you have it's internalized. responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's internalized. I, I'm lucky for my sister who's a firefighter. So like, uh, instinctually is a very caretaker kind of person and is great. It's just been amazing through all of this and have, having the, op- the opportunity to also lean on her too. Sometimes I do think, Oh God, wish I knew this earlier or like, even now they're doing so well. Like, Am I too old to move away right now? <laughs> yeah, I think you can think about that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I don't know what to do about that. But that also means meeting new friends in my 40s. It's not the same. That is another thing I learned about myself in all of our travels. When we go out, everyone is so much younger. How would I make new similarly aged friends like i would have to put so much more effort into meeting folks and you know we're a different breed we we are people our age that love to like be social to be out and i feel like so many of my friends from when i was younger have you know become much more homebodies and yeah. uh it's not a bad thing it just leaves me a lot more lonely at home sometimes well there's actually a loneliness epidemic in America. So my therapist tells me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've felt that during the pandemic, obviously, and then the kind of living in a new city in LA after that. But I've been on quite a journey about it. I just realized in your 30s to be more intentional about hanging out, especially in LA. I feel like in SF, it's so small that you can just run into friends all the time and just like um, block into like the roller coaster what, and the inertia of everybody doing their own kind of birthdays and dogs' birthdays <laughs> and, um, and uh, like milestone birthdays and parties and all these different events and then like have like your whole social calendar planned. I think in LA, it's very different. I think I don't have like one core group. It's like different people that took a while to find and that you have to be intentional with. Like I literally have a list that knowing me as a Capricorn and just me being type A, like I have a list of people, like if I haven't talked to them and hung out in a while, there's a list of people to remember to follow up with if I like get plans canceled or have like a free weekend. And I realize it's a lot of work and I don't want to do that again in another city, right? Yeah. To start building like friendships like that. So 
Oh my God, did I just say that? I, it's, it's weird that you put into words what I think I might have been wanting or needing to do. And because I, I think I'm just also bad at calling up people to do things. And I, I, I think it's partly, I just don't know where my brain is with those things. And the one thing I might, that might be is that folks who, um, who have ADHD, it's that out of sight, out of mind. And like, I, I just, if I don't see you, I just like forget about you or like a thing. Mm -hmm. And, but I can always easily pick up where it left off once it happens. So, but I never call people. I always rely on other people to do it for me. Like I said, I'm the, uh, the travel bottom. I like, Mm -hmm. I I rely on others to put the, the initial efforts in, but once I'm there, I'm all in, I put all the work in, but just, I just can't plan ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. because I think I was spoiled in that sense when I lived in SF. There was always plans, and people were like, "Do you want to? Who wants to go to this?" Right? And I think in LA, either like some of those plans I'm not into, or it's just very different in LA. Like people are very intentional with their time because you have to drive everywhere. <laughs> and I realized that, like for example, there's a friend that's really close to me, but because she's lived in different cities, and I feel like we just lost touch. Except for like once in a while texting each other and being on Instagram. And so at this point, I was like, well, the only way I hate FaceTiming, but the only way I get to continue to have a relationship, a friendship with you is we just FaceTime every month. We have like a one on one, basically like a work one on one every month. And I think that's been really nice. And it's something I feel like Gen Z is a lot better at. But I'm trying to question some of my like these things that I prefer and whether I prefer that over like losing a friendship. And I think, no, let's be more intentional with the friendships. So, yeah. Yeah, I think we're living as geriatric millennials (laughs) and and me as a as a zenial. There are these things that we learned, like all those memes about like never wanting to like pick up a phone call and all these memes about everyone being introverts. Like you said, like there's this epidemic of loneliness because I think we. Uh, for like many years, we're putting up on a pedestal all of this like introversion. I'm like, do this. I'm like, well, look at what what it's done to us all, and we are so afraid to like talk to each other sometimes. And like you said about the Facetimes, it kind of freaks me out. But all of, like my younger friends who like do it, once I do answer. I was like, oh, that was really nice. That was really nice seeing their face and talking mm-hmm. to them for a little bit. I'm like, I just got to get over some of those old fears that that we all learned during these last few years. That's a great way to end the episode. So the key takeaways to me, we still travel and party too much. Uh-huh. Um, we're still not employed. <laughs> we got to be more intentional with our actions. Yes. We still struggle with our parents and that we're old. Uh-huh. We're still old. Aging. Aging. Aging Not yes. old. Geriatric. And, and, uh, geriatric. <laughs> and also progress, not perfection. Yes. It's always a path. Perfection. Yes. Yes. And that's a perfect time then to end and wrap this episode. So thanks for joining us, everyone, on that little vent session. Uh, and remember to go onto your respective uh, listening devices and places and rate us five stars or leave a comment. I mean, even if it's a hate comment, we want to know how we can do better. And if we don't like what you say, we'll ignore you. <laughs> uh, find us on TikTok and Instagram at Literally Gations. And join us for our last few episodes of the season over the next few weeks. And until then, bye. Bye. If you see this reel and you liked my shirt, go to the Rice.Rockets Instagram. You can order a Rice Rockets My Drag Troop t-shirt. It's very cute. Sell that merch. Push that merch. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye, everyone. Later. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.